things are happening. And these things, Marcus, are personally, I'm, I'm personally invested in these things that are happening. I know you're very excited for me. I am excited because now the NFL draft can officially start. Of course, this is all about me. Welcome into the game day, <laughs> the game day podcast. It's a way to start the podcast. Just a self-serving dose of, okay. of draft teasers. Adam Kramer, Marcus Moser here. And, and Marcus, um, yeah, like my New York Jets, my New York Jets have finally made a decision. I have plenty of thoughts on this. We have plenty of things to talk about this, but your first snap reaction, like your, your, if I were I just did a little bubble here, what are your thoughts on this trade? I don't know how the Jets got so much, right? It doesn't sound like there was any other teams that were interested in Sam Darnold. So to get a second round pick and more, uh, great job by Joe Douglas. I thought he absolutely won this trade. I am excited about this. That are, those are my thoughts, but I am a giant homer. So, of course, I'm going to think that. A reminder, guys, you can get the Game Day podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Go to thegameday.com to do some price shopping. See what offers our affiliates have. So, before we go into uh, fill-in-the-blank, Marcus, which is going to be Sam Darnold heavy, um, mm-hmm. this kind of solidifies things. No, I mean, that's the other thing it really does from a draft standpoint. Yeah. I know you're you're focused on the draft. I, I guess – this probably doesn't change much like on your end as you're trying to piece together, um, you know, one through 10 or really the first round, I guess the, probably the most intriguing piece of this is not jets related, but probably Panthers related. Yeah, I think so. And we're going to talk to, to Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report later about how this maybe changes the Panthers draft plans at number eight. But to me, Adam, I just think it's now it's fascinating to see, okay, who comes up and gets like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance, right? Is it the Broncos? Is it the Lions? Is it the Patriots or somebody at the back end of the first round? I think that's where the intrigue has kind of shifted now. I think we have an idea what the first three picks are going to look like. After that, it's going to get absolutely wild. You mentioned talking to Connor Rogers. We will talk Jets to him. Uh, nobody covers it better. Uh, and I, I love his takes, and he is definitely informed. So we'll talk that. We'll talk some uh, draft stuff as you guys are in the thick of studying these players here. It is draft month which is really really exciting here we are weeks away from that uh and then we will also talk about the afc west in a in a bit here which is a fascinating division uh with plenty of talent and plenty of intrigue so uh that said let's do in some fill in the blank and marcus of course it's going to be jets heavy they let me write this one so i'm going to make i can do a whole show just about the jets but we start with the obvious sam darnold makes the panthers blank better Two wins better. They were five and 11 last year. I think they get to seven, maybe eight, eight wins. I got to keep factoring in that weird 17 game schedule. It's going to take me a minute to do it, but I do think he's an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. I think it gives him a little bit more playmaking, somebody who can get outside the pocket and make some throws in the short to intermediate parts of the field. They're not a contender yet, but I do think it makes them a little bit more interesting and fascinating in this season. Can I just remove the blank? And just the Sam Darnold makes the Panthers better. better. I, yeah. I think the how much is TBD. I I'm happy for Sam. Like this is as good of a landing spot as he mm-hmm. could possibly ask for when it comes to offensive philosophy with Brady, head coach that I, I really like in Matt Rule, talent all over the place, running back, wide receivers. Like on paper, this is like the Jekyll and Hyde compared to what he's been throwing to, what he's been handing to. Uh, offensive line is certainly a concern uh, because I, I, I think for him, you want to at least protect him. The Jets did none of this, by the way, in supporting no, him. No, no. But so I, I think it's TBD. I think that's the curiosity with this deal. Um, I, I, he, he's made it has. We put a lot of this on the Jets. And I don't think that's necessary. I think some of that's fair. Obviously, the Jets did not support him in a way that was 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 valid. But he also has done some things that I don't necessarily think are just going to completely go away. That said, right. uh, Brady is a magician, and I think that if he could, if if there's something to be uh, untapped here, uh, he's going to find it. And I'm fascinated to and see I, what they get. Yeah, and I think the two weapons that they have in DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey, two of the best guys ever at making plays after the catch. So. That's fantastic. And then Robbie Anderson actually was the best receiver that Sam Darnold ever had in New York, and now he's the number two option. Uh, It's a great landing spot for Sam, and I I do expect him to play pretty well for Carolina next year. That was an agonizing loss for me as a Jets fan, and I like a lot of what Joe Douglas has done. I did not 
get that part of it. And yeah. uh, uh, frankly, he, I think that's great. The, the, there's continuity there already. And I think they'll both be happy about that. Okay. Shifting to the jets, the jets were blank to trade Sam Darnold forced. I mean, what other option did they really have? Because there's no way that you wanted to keep him on the roster. And I saw the reports the other day about, Hey, we could bring in a rookie quarterback and have Sam Darnold. That's just, you weren't going to do that. You didn't want to bring in a quarterback contra- controversy. You had to move on and to get back what they did. It was phenomenal. Um, even though there wasn't really a market outside of Carolina. So they were forced, but it still was a smart move. I'm going to say right to trade Sam Darnold. Yeah. I, I look the optimal world, uh, Marcus, is you attach yourself to Sam, you trade out of the number two pick, you go down to eight, you go down to 12, you get multiple first round picks, you you, mm-hmm. you get a haul and you'd get a haul for this and you just surround Sam with talent. The salary is the driving force behind this. Sam Darnold gets pretty expensive shortly and that's not a good situation to be in when you're still figuring it out. And I yes. think that's the right call. Um, I, I look, I'm not a quarterback whisperer. I really like what I've seen from Zach Wilson this year. Uh, I think he has a chance to be great, but the way you build an NFL franchise is through the rookie quarterback contract. In my opinion, mm-hmm. that's how you establish yourself. And if you could land that, cause at some point, whoever your quarterback is, they're going to be expensive, but that's right. the foundation. You got to keep swinging until you get it. And I don't think Sam Darnold clearly is not going to become Patrick Mahomes, um, that's a lot to ask. I don't think Zach Wilson will be either. You got to keep swinging uh, as painful as it is to draft into the quarterback four okay. years apart in the top five. I think it's the right strategy here. And now getting back that second round pick next year, that'll allow you to continue to build around yeah. Zach Wilson. Again, remember they have an extra first round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. Uh, they've got a high second round pick. You can do enough here to improve the interior offensive line. I think the Jets are in pretty good shape, and now they've got a quarterback or will have a quarterback on a rookie contract for the next four or five years. That's pretty valuable. I, I, I like watching him play. I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 there's a vibe on the on the on just the general franchise right now, and who knows, because they're still going to be bad next year, but it feels at least like there is some direction finally. Um, mm-hmm. Another intriguing piece of this, of course, is Carolina's uh, former, I assume to be former starting quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. So I ask you, Marcus, Teddy is a blank next season. Backup. I mean, I know you're asking me for a team, but (laughs) I just don't know what team it is yet. Right. I think there's a lot of teams. Once he's eventually cut, maybe he gets traded, but that salary is so ridiculous. Once he is eventually cut would be interested in bringing him in as part of a quarterback competition. Maybe it's in Denver. Maybe he goes to Cincinnati and he's the backup quarterback to Joe Burrow. Uh, with all of his injury concerns now. Uh, I, I do think there's some nice landing spots for Teddy. It's just not going to be as a starter. He's going to be a high-end backup this year. It Actually, you know who could use him is the Jets. I mean, like, honestly, <laughs> yeah, as, I mean, that that could have been part. Um, I'm going to throw a few teams at you. Like, what about the yeah. Patriots? Maybe, but I think the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback to pair with Cam Newton. It, there's a lot of the pieces have been filled. Like, That's the problem here. And, yeah. and and that gets back to the original point, the Jets getting a decent return on this uh, with a lot of the movement already done. There aren't a lot of logical destinations, in my opinion, where I, I think you hit it. I think he's I, I actually think he could stay there. But again, um, they, they, the way the statement was worded yesterday, it seems like, you know, we're going to find a place for him you know, blah, 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 like fine print. Maybe that's here. That usually what about means Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay could be really good. I mean, financially, who knows how it would work, but um, that, I think that'd be a great spot considering mm-hmm. you got to protect him. Um, but there's not a lot of logical spots. I honestly, the jets make a lot of sense. If Teddy comes in and, and you don't want to start a quarterback early. There's uh, really but, not a landing, a lot of landing spots where he can compete for a job, right? I, agree I think there's a there. lot of backup spots that are available, just not stuff, you know, spots where he can come in and start or even get a fair shot at starting. I, I would, I would totally agree with you there. Uh, moving back, we're doing a game of pong here when it comes to trade quarterbacks. I'd bet blank that Zalk Wilson goes number two overall. My life. I mean, I just so it seems like a lock right now. Like, I, I guess I would be absolutely shocked. The Jets aren't even tra- taking trade calls. Uh, it seems like we've known forever that it's going to be Zach Wilson. It seems like that's what all the big media is talking about. I, 
listen, I, I would bet my chances on my life on that one. I, I, I agree with you. The one interesting component of this, Marcus, and is the medical aspect of this because he did have shoulder surgery. And I know like, I'm not sure where they are in the vetting process. I know with this off season, yep. it's been switched around. Usually you get that information at the combine. Um, like that's like the one element in this that I think is intriguing because he's not, uh, he measured out well at his pro day. Actually, he's pretty big dude or bigger than I think we thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think with that shoulder surgery, that's like the one piece uh, that I haven't heard a ton on other than, yeah, he had this thing done. It'll be interesting to see how he checks out. That's about my only potential concern you'd have with him going um, other than number two overall. Right. Yeah, um, I think he's going to be fine though. I, I would be absolutely floored if it's somebody other than Zach Wilson. Uh, I agreed. And I, I think um, the timing of this at, at the pro day and everything else makes sense. You were just confirming what I, I the buzz that I've heard is that Douglas really does love Wilson mm-hmm. and like Darnold. And uh, again, be interesting to talk to Connor about the dynamics of all of this stuff inside the Jets facility over the last couple of weeks. Uh, okay. And last one, let's go generalize because we are going to get into draft mode here very, very soon, essentially right now. Uh, so let's go general here. Blank is not getting enough NFL draft love. Justin Fields. I know that's Ooh. a top talent name, but Adam, I don't get it. This was the number one dual threat quarterback recruit of all time for what, three years now. We thought he was a potential option to even beat out Trevor Lawrence for the number one pick. He goes to Ohio state. He scores 79 touchdowns with just nine interceptions. He's dominant. He plays fantastic in the biggest game of the year against Clemson with probably broken ribs. He runs a 4-4 at his pro day, and it's, well, he might be the fifth quarterback drafted after Trey Lance, who played 10 games or 13 games at North Dakota State, or Mac Jones, who started 11 games at Alabama. It's just, I don't get it. How is this not the consensus number two quarterback in this class? I think that it's an interesting discussion because between Wilson and Fields, they're very different and they flash mm-hmm. in different ways. And I think that's an interesting discussion. I know we've had it. Uh, um, but after that is where you lose me, right? Like after that is, yeah. if you go Trey Lance over Justin Fields to me, that is, um, that's it's bonkers. It's, it's, it's I don't bonkers. get it. I don't right, get it. A guy either. that played one game this year did not look good. No, he played game. awful. I mean, he played Adam, awful in that game. We had a stretch. What it was the first three weeks of the season where Fields had more touchdowns than he did incompletions playing a Big Ten schedule. I, I guess I just don't understand how he quickly turned from QB two to QB five. I, I, I don't understand. No, I, I'd say this is someone in the number two draft spot, like fandom wise. The Indiana game stuck out to me. Big Ten championship stuck out. But you know what? I, I mean. It, to, to play my own devil's advocate, Zach Wilson's schedule is not exactly a murderer's row. And you could easily dissect certain games over the course of the Coastal, Coastal Carolina, Carolina game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and he had a couple of great throws in that and a couple of not great throws. Fields in that Indiana game had one of the best throws I've ever seen in the back of the mm-hmm. end zone. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I'd say, Marcus, I want to beat the drum. I'll stay on the same team. Trey Sermon, uh, you posted some of the measurables. And we were kind of talking on Twitter of the Josh Jacobs vibes, not the fastest guy, mm-hmm. but really shifty, big bodied, uh, recovered from injury. Um, I know there's some fun, fun running backs at the top of this class. You could get Trey Sermon. Where, where, where do you think he'll go right now as you kind of look at this stuff? Because I, I've been kind of obsessed with knowing where a guy like that's going to land because I'd love for the Jets to, to, to land him. Yeah, probably late day two, maybe early day three. And listen, gotcha. if it's, if it's Najee Harris in round one or Trey Sermon in round three. Exactly. That's, I mean, listen, if it's Najee Harris in round one or Trey Sermon in round two, I'd still prefer Trey Sermon. There's just not that big of a gap. I love that. That, He's my third best running back in this class. He's got a lot of like, I think Arian Foster like vibes. That's a great, that's a great comparison. Puts his foot down on the ground and then he's downhill and he's hard to stop. I, I love him. I'm a huge fan. That's a great name. It, 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 no, it is. And he, he, look, man, he didn't have a ton of tread. I mean, you know, with the season okay. they had with everything else, guy's going to come in pretty fresh and yes, he did have an injury, but that's an injury. His legs are just fine. Um, fine. So, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. All right, let's move to the AFC West. I believe this is the final division, correct? We have done, mm-hmm. we have gone back and forth. We've tackled AFC, NFC. Um, as we always do, Marcus, I want to get your thoughts on this. This is, this is fun. Like the, uh, this is, you know, the NFC West is talent, like talent heavy. 
I don't know if I'd say the same thing about this. Obviously, one team in particular is very intriguing. Quarterbacks here are wildly intriguing and all over the place, I would say. So as you look at the AFC West, what immediately jumps out? I think the Chargers are a legitimate threat to the Kansas City Chiefs over the next decade because Justin Herbert is a superstar. And I felt this way early on about Patrick Mahomes. If you can protect uh, like Mahomes, you're going to have a shot to win every single game. And I feel that way about Justin uh, Herbert. Give him some protection, and he is going to light defenses up. Uh, I think the Chargers are fascinating. And then, listen, it's the Las Vegas Raiders with John Gruden and Mike Mayock. It's it's just a fun division. I I, I really enjoy this division. No, I'm with you. Let's start. Let's kick it off with the Chargers. Uh, You mentioned Herbert, who, you know, as someone who covered him in college for a while – uh, looks the part if you were building a quarterback mm-hmm. in terms of physical traits and just overall uh, mobility, arm strength, size, like this is it. Like this is the prototype version. This is a creative player version. The, the concern I had at Oregon was at times that showed up and at times that it didn't. Well, last year it was like, it, he was a freak show. And I mean, there were so many throws yes. that he had that were some of the greatest throws I've ever seen. I, I don't even mean that as hyperbole. It's like some of the greatest NFL throws I've ever seen all in his like rookie catalog. So mm-hmm. with that said, you've got a quarterback of the future. We'll see how good he can be. It seems like he's going to be really good. You mentioned surrounding him in talent, uh, with a, which they've done a bit of in free agency. After free agency, what are your biggest team needs? Other than staying healthy, because this is an incredibly talented team that just always has that injury bug, right? Yes. Derwin James missed the whole season. Austin Eckler was banged up last year. So other than that, it's left tackle. They just don't have a long-term solution there. They've got to be able to protect Herbert. And again, if they can do that, I think this is a playoff team. I, but can they find that left tackle that can hold up against the, the Frank Clarks and the Yannick Nagakwe and the Vaughn Millers? I'm not sure, but if they do, watch out, AFC. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Keep drafting linemen. I know you've invested yeah. in the position already. Keep drafting linemen. And also, Marcus, I think keep drafting wideouts. Go the Chiefs route. And yes. and, and they've got a lot of big-bodied guys, right? They, they've, they've got a certain wide receiver down pat. Keenan Allen is amazing, by the way. Yes. One of the most underrated players in the NFL. You add a player like a Rondell Moore or an Elijah Moore type player into this offense where you could insert maybe some more gadget players like what they have at running back. I think that's fine. You could probably beef that up if you wanted to, but I think just keep throwing stuff at him. Like, like Kansas city has done a brilliant job in just kind of reloading the cupboards all over the place. That would be my strategy here moving forward. Yeah, really quickly, uh, I would love to see the chargers be aggressive, right? They've got a quarterback that's on a rookie contract, Go be aggressive now. If Penny Suell falls to pick seven or eight, go grab him, reunite yeah. him with Justin Herbert, who they're very, very familiar with. They're great friends. That would be a, a fantastic fit. And I don't think That's it would be idea. all that expensive to go from like 13 to seven or eight. You probably wouldn't even have to give up a future first round pick. You do that and now we're cooking. All right. So I ask you then, is, is Justin Herbert as good as we think he might be? Yeah, I think he's like the Josh Allen that we saw from last year, right? He just maybe doesn't have Brian Dable as his offensive coordinator. (laughs) And if they can protect him and put weapons around him, yeah, I think we're looking at a guy that could very, very easily be a top five, top six quarterback in the NFL. I've been getting back into like sports cards, uh, Marcus, and, and it's funny just seeing the market on Justin Herbert rookie cards and how goofy how goofy they are right now yeah. if you want to get involved and uh, not that that's going to uh <laughs> impact my decision but i do I, yeah i think he is that good and it's awesome to see the talent realize i just don't think we're going to see a sophomore slump i think they've got a really good piece of team around him i think the biggest concern is to avoid you know what we saw with joe burrow protect him yeah. keep him yeah. upright keep him healthy if that's the case um I think you're right. So you mentioned an interesting thing before we got in uh, into the Chargers specifically of the them potentially challenging Kansas City. So over under seven wins. And yes, a reminder, there's one more game this year, which is impacting all these answers suddenly as we have like right in the middle of doing our division. So over under seven wins, I'm assuming you're going over. Way, way over. Um, I thought, I mean, I love Anthony Lynn as a person. I thought he was terrible at the end of the games last year. And if they were just competent in the last two minutes of the game, <laughs> so bad. this is probably probably a double-digit win team last year. And I think Herbert's going to take a step up. 
I think nine, 10 wins is very, very likely for the Chargers this season. Uh, that QB sneak call near the goal line oh my gosh. with time oh. running out was the most hilarious. J- Justin Herbert had probably the greatest plays and maybe the worst place through no fault of his own. I don't believe there. No, no, no. Um, so you're buying them. Are you buying them as a playoff team? And I'm, I'm going over seven, two, by the way, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think I am me too. I, because when you, when you rank the quarterbacks in the AFC, you don't go down the list very far before you get to Justin Herbert. And with all that talent they have on both sides of the ball, yeah, I, I do think they can get to nine to 10 wins and make it to the playoffs. They could have made the playoffs last year. I mean, they, yes, they, it was yes. that catastrophic in the last like three to five minutes across like multiple games, many games. Yes. I mean, we did that. I remember we went down the schedule, like could have won, should have won, should yep. have won, probably had a good chance to win. And it was actually depressing. Um, mm-hmm. But in this instance, decent pick load up. I think they're in good shape. I don't know what to make of this next team, Marcus, the Denver Broncos. Uh, they were rumored to be in it for Sam Darnold. That's not the case. Um, Drew Locke, a guy I cover, and I actually like quite a bit. I, I, I like his cockiness. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think he's Zach got the Wilson right, asking. yeah, he's got the right <laughs> attitude that probably yeah. rubs people the wrong way, yeah. but I'm interested in terms of biggest team need. We saw them invest heavy in wide receivers in the draft last year. We saw mm-hmm. them just try to surround Drew Locke and playmakers. Jerry Judy, I got to be honest, I thought he would be better. The drops were killer uh, last year. So we'll see if he improves because he's got tons of talent. So what do you do this year when it comes to team need? I think it's quarterback. I like the, the That's traits what you do. that Drew – Yeah, I like the traits that Drew Locke has. I just think it's time for this, this Broncos team to get better at the quarterback position. And if a Justin Fields is available or outside of the top five – go get him because he's a significantly better prospect than what Drew Locke is. You're going to get him under, you know, more cost control on a rookie contract. I think if you put a, let's say a top 15 quarterback on that team, that this is a borderline playoff team because they are loaded everywhere else. Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive coordinators in all of the league. Yep. I know he's the head coach there, but one of the best defensive minds that we've seen, they're loaded on defense with talent. Go get yourself a franchise quarterback and compete with the chiefs and the, and the chargers. Uh, in that division. So that I guess is uh, sort of answered my next question of Drew Locke being the answer, but let me jump in first because the Darnold thing is fascinating yeah, because if let's say they, and it seems like they had conversations of getting Darnold um, those two are, it's like good luck with that quarterback competition, because I think you've got two guys who are athletic, who can make plays outside the pocket, who've got good arms, mm-hmm. who do a lot of really good things. And then like a, a smaller list of amplified bad things and at some point you know and I guess this is part of a larger conversation when it comes to quarterbacks like when you decide who they are and Drew Locke's a year behind Darnold but we kind of figure at this point we we know who he is and I I think you made it clear um, he's not the answer the long-term answer in Denver in your eyes it doesn't mean that it can't be a good quarterback in the NFL, but typically, you know, pretty quickly, these guys are the franchise guys. Like we saw, we just got done talking about Justin Herbert, right? It took us how long to figure out that Justin Herbert is it, right? Like a game. Two games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like legitimately. Game, yeah. Like sometimes you just know. And again, not to kill Drew Locke, he's probably just never going to be that top 10 guy. And that's what you need to get to the next level. I, I, I think the Broncos need to find a quarterback. I, the Sam Darnold parallels are like legit. And he's got yes, some are. throws that are magical. Like he, he does. And he has it. I, I really, I want this dude to do well, but I, yep. it just does not. It just does. There's, I don't know, man. Like you said, you just don't have that feeling. So over under five wins. Um, I'd go over that. I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. going to go way over that, but I'm going to go over that. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. I think six to seven makes sense. Again, that defense is phenomenal. Uh, And much like the Chargers, (laughs) the Broncos were awful at the end of the games uh, with Vic Fangio, just too conservative, kicking too many field goals. I think that changes a little bit. I think they have a little bit luckier of a season. Uh, And I'm picking them six, seven games. Maybe if they hit their ceiling, eight or nine. All right, but we are selling them as a playoff team then uh, pretty obviously here. And I'm going to sell them as well. Um, It's a pretty good division though. Like uh, this is a division that is going to be tough, especially near the top. And we think the Chargers are going to take a step up. Um, That's the problem. I think that's the problem when we talk about the Denver and we talk about our next team, the Las Vegas Raiders. I think I finally got out of saying Oakland, although I'm sure I'll (laughs) say it again. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, biggest team need. You know, Marcus, is it it still quarterback? I I mean, I don't know what to do with Carr. 
I think this is a team that has been very goofy in the draft, uh, to, to be quite honest. I'm I, judging by your expression there. I think you would agree. So I, I think there's a decent amount of holes that they've got to fill and they've had chances to fill them. And frankly, they've missed on. Yeah. I think their biggest team need is a direction. I don't know what this team is trying to accomplish right? I would agree. because partly, you know, they, they completely rebuilt their offensive line and tore that down but then they spent money on a running back, you know, Kenyon Drake, they gave $11 million guaranteed. Like it's the last piece of the offense. that's going to make them fantastic. And then they didn't spend any money on defense. I, I don't know. I think they need a direction, but as for a specific position, it's right tackle. Um, Adam, I don't know what kind of playing shape you're in right now, but Not you great. might be able to start for the, you might be able to start for the Raiders at right tackle right now. There, they, there's nobody there. And I think they're planning on drafting a tackle at 17 that's always dangerous when you're hoping that a starter follows you in yeah. the first round. But I think that's the plan as of right now. That's like no man's land, especially in this tackle market. It's very interesting. Uh, as for my playing shape, I jumped on the trampoline with my kids this week and my back is, <laughs> is in shambles. So uh, they may want to go in another direction. Uh, just saying, I, I think you hit on something really interesting, which is like who this team is. And, you know, this is a quarterback heavy discussion that we're having. Mm -hmm. But with, with Carr, like there were trade rumors and it's a guy that's been um, efficient or he's protected the ball. But look, Marcus, I, I saw this team play the Jets and they were awful and obviously yeah. should have yeah. lost. Um, I, I think Ruggs, if he can stay healthy, is a fun player that can still excel. Like I, I'm not by any means selling on him. I, I obviously is a, I'm a huge fan of Josh Jacobs. Um, but that's a guy that's already taken an NFL beating and a guy that, um, you know, frankly is very interesting, as you mentioned, signing other running backs for big money. So I, it does feel like this team is just kind of in purgatory that it can win enough games to be relevant, but Confident, never yep. enough games to be good. And getting back to the Broncos discussion, that's like the worst case you could be in, in the yeah. NFL. Cause you're just yeah. going to do that until you're not anymore. Yeah, I think Derek Carr still deserves a chance because I think he's gotten better every single year under John Gruden. Really, he's the only reason last year that this team was competent. I mean, they were 6-2 and two at one point in the season. They almost beat the Chiefs for a second straight time. Carr kept them afloat. Uh, I, I think he deserves to continue to be the starter. But we know John Gruden. He has a wandering eye. And if there <laughs> is a quarterback in the draft or in free agency or via trade that – he thinks is more talented in that he can get more out of. It wouldn't completely shock me if the Raiders moved on from Carr sooner rather than later. I don't think that's fair to Carr, but it wouldn't surprise me. I think his performance this year is going to be, there, there's a couple quarterbacks around the league and this is a year to year league. So I'd say more than a couple, but this is a year for Carr. That's probably going to be very influential on his future. I'll say that. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly he's played better than probably the average Joe would yes. lead on when you look at statistics. Oh my gosh. And had points last year where he was really, really efficient. Again, not a lot of turnovers, but also not the most explosive plays. Now rugs was hurt. I think they've got some really interesting young pieces mm -hmm. on offense. I'm curious to see what they do. This is a team that I have a hard time figuring out over under eight wins. Um, boy, that feels right about on the number yeah. for me. So if you had to lean over or under there, where do you go? I would probably go under just because I don't trust the defense at all. I mean, they, they really haven't upgraded the defense in any significant way. Uh, the defensive backs continue to be a, a major problem. The offensive line is very, very old despite yeah. changing out a bunch of pieces. So I think they are going to be a very, very competitive, like seven and 10 team. I think that you could, and we'll, we'll rank these teams before we're done, but yeah, I think them for, for Denver, I mean, they could end up in the same with the same record. There, there's going to be a lot of coin flip games. Uh, I'm just not sure I have a ton of faith in them to do it again. Saw them getting manhandled by the jets for like three, almost four quarters. Uh, and that was a bad jets team. Uh, not very good. Shout out uh, to that Hail Mary, though. Yeah, uh, Craig which Williams, was, thank you. Shout out to that man. <laughs> Still didn't get Trevor Lawrence, but it was awesome in the time. All right. And last but not least, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, licking their wounds a little bit. And it was uh, the Super Bowl was rough. The I think the pressure points were exposed. They've addressed some of those points. They've had a lot of interesting roster activity. As you look at the Chiefs, Marcus, biggest need, of course, it's, it's probably the obvious, is it not? We talk about protecting and supporting quarterbacks. I would imagine that's the case here. 
Yeah, it's the offensive line, specifically the offensive tackles. They released both starting offensive tackles from this year in Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Really didn't do a ton to upgrade that spot. They did bring in Joe Thune, uh, a Pro Bowl guard from the Patriots. So the interior of the offensive line is set. It's the tackles that are concerning. Is there a chance that the Chiefs bring back Fisher or Schwartz maybe later in the offseason or at some point in the season? I think so. But they got to get better at those spots if they want to continue to be this dominant force in the AFC. I think they're going to use the draft to upgrade their tackle spots. Uh, but I'm curious to see who they actually select uh, at pick number 31. That's what I was going to ask you, too. I know there's a long way to go. And, and we talked about trying to forecast, like, you know, a, a tackle who's going to be their middle of the round. Probably yeah. even di- more difficult to do. But is there a alignment or two in that, you know, next wave beyond – you know, Penny beyond Slater that you think might be a good fit there if he's available. Yeah, I really like Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, three-year starter. Uh, he was an All-American over the last two years. Uh, not the longest or strongest guy, but he just gets the job done. He actually reminds me a lot of Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, played left tackle at Notre Dame, probably a right tackle in the NFL. He just feels like out of one of these guys that's going to start 10 years, probably will never make a Pro Bowl. But it's always going to be rock solid. If he's there at pick 31, I think that'd be an excellent pick for Kansas City. Supremely underrated player in this class. There's some really high-end tackle prospects, like really, really good and was consistent as all get out. I think that would be a really, really nice pick for them. Uh, Over under 14 wins. Look, man, it's a big number. Even if we add a game, like this is a team that didn't cover a game for three months. If you remember that uh, during the back half of the season, um, I, boy, they're with Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to bet against, but I'd probably go under here. Yeah, I think I would go under as well. They're going to have a first place schedule. I think there's always something to this little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. Mahomes is coming off a foot injury. He's going to be fine for the regular season, but it wouldn't be surprising if he misses most of the off season. Again, two new offensive tackles, a defense that's older. I think 13 and four seems a route right. 14 wins just seems that's high. It's a big number. Yeah, it's a big number. Even with Mahomes, there are questions on this team uh, for sure. And I think until those are solved, um, I'm with you Mm -hmm. there. Now, let's rank this. uh, We still have Kansas City uh, as, or at least I do. I I know uh, Chargers are kind of interesting, but Kansas City at number one, Um, San, uh, San Diego. Dang it. There you Los go. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Go. So I didn't do Oakland, but I did Los Angeles. I, I was bound to do it. I'm going to do the Chargers one forever. So Los Angeles two. Where do you go three? Like, this is a tough one for me. I actually have more faith in the Raiders than I do the Broncos, just because Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Drew Locke. So I'm going Raiders three, and then I think the Broncos maybe a game or two behind that. I, I, I think I'm going to join you. Um, and I do think it has to do with quarterback. And again, I, I still think there's some intriguing talent mm-hmm. um, on the Raiders, but I'm just curious, like I said, like you mentioned, where, where do they go? They're just kind of like sailing at sea, just trying to yeah. hoping to hit land here. All right. So there it is the AFSA West, which by the way, Marcus means like it's draft galore now moving oh, forward, I which I know you're excited about uh, up next. We will talk to Connor Rogers about the draft. We will also talk to him Uh, about the Jets and the Panthers and what that trade means. Very happy and timely, I might add, to welcome in uh, a friend of the show. He's the most regular guest we have, uh, Marcus. That is Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report, who's busy. This is his draft time. Uh, Connor, we're really, uh, really happy for you to join us. I know it's crazy right now. I guess before I get into the Jets stuff, and I promise we won't talk Mets bullpen much, or at least I'll try not to let it leak into this conversation. Like, what's this time... What's this time for you? You're planning for a live show, right? So how busy is this uh, next couple of weeks for you? What does it look like? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, trying to, you know, rank, I would say 250 players that you could feel pretty good about. So you're getting to the point where it's like, you know, you have the debates on TV about the top 10 players in the draft. And I feel so far removed from all of those things where you're looking at rounds four, five, six, and seven. And then of course our lovely New York Jets just sprinkle a, a giant trade in the middle of all of it. So it's mayhem, it's chaos, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm excited to be here to talk to you guys about it. Well, we're, we're... So Connor, how many guys do you think you've watched so far? Oh, man, that's a good question. I, I keep like a red line in the dock, and I only move a player above it if I feel like, okay, I've seen enough games of this guy, and I feel comfortable that 
you know, if somebody asked me about him in full, that I'd, I'd be giving an honest evaluation across the board. And I would say right now I have about 178 guys above that red line and then others that need, you know, maybe a game or two. This is a weird year where we had mm-hmm. no combine, where pro days are running until through the ninth. So it's like you're sitting and waiting on testing numbers as well. So, like I said, would really, really like to get that number up. But, yeah, I feel pretty comfortable about at least 175, 180 right now. Machine. You you're got time machine. to go. I'm at like 100. I'm at like 100, but I, I'm, I'm like you. Like if you say a name that's outside of the top 100, I probably know enough to like tell you about him, but just not like officially, formally written him up. But this is crazy time of the year because you just don't want to forget anybody. Like that's the biggest fear is that we're going to get to draft night and somebody's going to go on day two that we haven't seen yet. It happens every year. There's something out of the box or a team makes a pick for a player that you, you thought would be a UDFA and he goes, you know, what, 86th or something like that. It's it's really bizarre. So that I think that's why I, I you know, kill myself with this work until starting in summer and go all year round because you have that fear of like, oh, my God, who who is this and what did they do? And you're just trying to avoid that. Uh, the the live show that you you're gonna do, Connor, uh, can't wait for it. I know I've I've watched it for all through its different iterations at BR for many years. Involved, I think, in one or two back way back in the day uh, in some capacity. But uh, awesome, we're we're really looking forward to this. And and I guess the other thing, uh, while I, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you as a Jets fan, of course, is you follow that team and know that team just about better than anybody. And before I go into the We'll talk about kind of the Panthers and the Jets fit. One of the things that I've read the last couple of days, and for those who haven't heard, Sam Darnold, of course, goes to the Panthers. Jets getting back three picks. But but Connor is like the the way Darnold was viewed inside the Jets organization. It seemed like this was a really interesting tug of war between, and even I think Joe Douglas maybe struggling with this, but people wanted to keep him. And I'm I'm curious what you heard, how the Jets viewed Darnold and like, how big of a seesaw this was. Do we, do we keep them? Do we trade them? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, Kramer, when you look at it across the board that, you know, this is something that you have to ask coaches when you sit down and do interviews and they interviewed nine of them before they, you know, decided on Robert Sala. And I think what was interesting is at the end of the day, this was always going to be Joe Douglas's decision. And it's rare for the jets to have an authoritative figure at the top where you don't have the owner sprinkling his ideas or demands. You don't have, a coach trying to pull for a struggle power. And I think everybody is working together and it has not been like that in the Jets organization, probably since Rex Ryan and Mike Tannenbaum. And uh, coincidentally, those teams went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games. So you can see the problems for a decade with the Jets. And and Joe Douglas was somebody that I think in the back of his head knew this was going to be the situation when they locked themselves in at the number two pick. I don't know if they would have made the same choice if they were picking fourth, fifth or sixth. I think then it becomes a different conversation, but Across the league, I I get the sense that a lot of evaluators feel that both Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are upper echelon quarterback prospects. Now, I think Fields and Trey Lance belong in that conversation, but that's a different conversation. So they felt good enough that there's a couple of things, right? They like Sam Darnold. The Jets coaching staff uh, thought they could fix Sam Darnold, the new coaching staff, and win with Sam Darnold. And at the end of the day, it comes down to a couple of things. One, aligning the quarterback with the GM and the head coach. I think that's really important. Uh, two, salary ramifications. You had to make a decision on Sam Darnold's fifth year option. You still have no idea what he is because of how bad things have gone the last three years. Obviously, the Panthers feel comfortable about that fifth year option. And then you get into these, if things go right or even average, you get into these bizarre extension talks. So there was that issue as well. And then, of course, you have the problem of, hey, if if we pass on what's a great quarterback class and roll with Sam Darnold and it's kind of more of the same, then it, am I going to get fired? Right. That's what Joe Douglas has to be sitting there wondering saying, I really attached myself to this guy that I didn't draft that was failed by the coach that I didn't hire. Am I going to go down like that after working 20 years in the NFL to sit in this GM chair? I think it's just not a risk he was willing to take. And one that I don't blame him as much as there are people on the offensive staff that really vouch for Sam. I think everybody likes and, and hopes for the best for Sam and wants him to succeed. But I think it was best for both sides to get a fresh start in this scenario. Uh, Connor, I'm interested, like looking at this from a pre-draft perspective, how do you view Wilson compared to Sam Darnold? Because listen, I like Zach Wilson a lot. I think he's worthy of the number two pick, but part of me still wonders, 
was Sam the better prospect coming out of the draft? And why should, or why are things going to be different now with the Jets? Yeah, it's a fair debate. And it's one that everybody's talking about, right? And I think the last point is the most important. Why would things be different this time with the Jets? So when you just start with Darnold versus Wilson, at least for me, they are different prospects. I think I would have the top four guys in this class ahead of Sam. Uh, I was a little low on Sam that year compared to the consensus. Not that I didn't think he was worth a first round pick or, I, you know, I just had him. Uh, behind Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Rosen. And we saw what happened with Rosen. You have one side of a guy that's on the verge of almost being out of the league, and then you have a guy in Lamar who's won an MVP. So uh, it's interesting how these quarterbacks it works out or doesn't work out. And, and for Sam, I think I was definitely a little different, where a lot of people thought he was the number one or number two prospect. And, you know, like you said, the traits were worth uh, being taken third overall. I totally understand that. But the problems he had coming out of college – uh, have not gotten better. And he hasn't been given the right supporting cast. So it's not surprising the development hasn't been there. But the deep passing is still a struggle. He's not seeing the field. He's turning the ball over. He, he doesn't see the defense very well, especially underneath defenders that sit on routes. So I think, unfortunately, for Darnold's, none of those things have gotten better from college. And I think that that would be my biggest fear if I was sitting there in the Carolina building wondering, hey, can we can we coach this out of him? Can we work through this? And we'll find out. So I think Zach Wilson is a better prospect than Sam Darnold. I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are better prospects than Sam Darnold, but not a lot of people will probably agree with me on that. So I think for Joe Douglas, he obviously is sitting there liking one of these quarterbacks better than what Sam is. And then I think when you look at the situation he's coming into, it's a work in progress, right? You feel better about Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, and Denzel Mims than any wide receiver trio Sam Darnold ever had. I think that's a no brainer. The coaching, it, has to get better than Adam Gates, right? It can't get worse. So we'll see what Michael Floor is, but people are optimistic about him. And even if he's a middle of the pack offensive coordinator, that is a significant upgrade. But I think the one domino I'm waiting on guys, what is this offensive line going to look like week one? Because right now it's not good enough. You, you yep. Mackay Becton and George Fant, they're fine at tackle. Becton was really good. Fant was somewhere in the middle of the pack. Uh, McGovern struggled, struggled at center, but they're going to give him another run with his contract. The guard play, they need two new guards and they need them in the draft and it has to, they have to hit on those guards and it has to be much better because if you have a rookie quarterback running from his life from interior pressure, he's going to struggle. Any quarterback will. So I think at the end of the day, there's a lot left to be seen with what this offense looks like for the rookie quarterback. You know, Connor, it's interesting getting back to kind of who Sam is. If you ask Joe Brady now, I think he would tell you, give me Zach Wilson. Like I, I certainly on the rookie scale. And I, I I'm not saying that that is what I, yeah. I, I don't have that. That's not me reporting it, but I'm thinking that if this was like one of the other, you know, coupled with a, what a, a salary over $20 million next year um, that to me made the decision pretty easy. That said, like, I think it's okay for us to look at a trade and think this works out for everyone involved. Now, Time will tell. Okay. It's, it's going to work out differently. We know that some, somebody in this is not necessarily going to feel good three years from now, most likely, whether it's Sam, whether it's the Panthers, whether it's the jets, who knows, like Sam's going to go to Carolina and have a, what if he can't succeed there? I don't, I, I think, you know, who he is. And I think he will be better there, but do you agree that like the compensation seemed fair um, for Sam? It's a good spot. The, divorce between the two seems very reasonable <laughs> like all of this seems like it actually is about as clean of a break and good return for everybody as it could possibly be yeah you kind of sit there and go wow everything makes sense here right this isn't deandre hopkins you know going for nothing it's not it's not a trade like that you look at it and go well both sides wanted a fresh star and now, going back to what you originally said, it, this was not the Panthers 1A. It, it just was not. They have had their eyes on the Deshaun Watson market, yep. obviously, for a lot of different circumstances. That doesn't exist anymore. And, and I don't think, you know, even when it did, it sounded like that they were not going to be the front runner because where they were positioned in the draft. And I think because of where they are positioned in the draft, they are watching the quarterback market evaporate in front of them. They got jumped by the 49ers. Um, the Jaguars and Jets are obviously taking quarterbacks. Everybody, everybody knew it's the worst kept secret in the world. And for the Jets, it too. So now they're sitting there and going, well, three of the quarterbacks are going to be gone. Can we go to four? Well, your division rival in Atlanta is at four. They're not going to trade with you and give you your new start of your franchise. So the Panthers got boxed out of getting a quarterback in this draft and they got boxed out of getting the one they wanted uh, from the trade market. So they had to come up with a plan B or plan C in the situation. And that was Sam Darnold. And, 
There's nothing wrong with that. And now the reason I break it down and try to make it make sense for because some Panthers fans are probably down about this. I think what you're looking at is number one, the return. It is what it is, you know, two decent picks in 2022. So you have ammo this year to build around Sam and they got a lot of holes on defense that they got to address in the draft. So you still have all your picks to do that besides the sixth rounder. They had three sixth rounders anyway. So whatever, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. So when you look at the situation from that, Matt rule is on a mega deal from the Panthers. He can, and you never want this to be the first thing you say about a deal, but they can fail with Sam Darnold and he's not going anywhere. It's not a lot of teams could take this gamble. They just can't. Mm -hmm. I mean, Vic Fangio with the Broncos, because I know they had some interest in Darnold. Could they bet it all on Sam? And if they fail, well, guess what? He's fired. Could a lot of teams around (laughs) the league do Can the Bears roll the dice on Sam Darnold? Well, I don't love their options with Andy Dalton, but if they failed with Sam, they're fired. Like these things go on and on. You look around the league and there's just not a lot of teams that can, you know, and I hope Sam succeeds. And I think when you look at it, I think Joe Brady can get him to be an average quarterback. I think these days when he was a top three pick and a top prospect and he's going to be, you know, some people said an Andrew Luck or I, I thought Tony Romo level comparable player in terms of play style. Those days are behind us. He's, I don't see a top eight, top 10. He'd be an analytical outlier. It, everything would be an outlier. But can you get him to be average or an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater? They think they can. And if it doesn't work, they're fine. It's it's okay. They're okay to, to accept that. So I think from both sides, it, it just all kind of makes sense. And it was a unique situation where the Jets found a partner that can afford that risk. So, Connor, what do we think the Panthers do at number eight now? Because I'm, I'm really intrigued by this yeah. because – I think there's a decent chance that one of Trey Lance or Justin Fields are available to them at number eight. Uh, but do they go quarterback or do they pick, you know, maybe a Penny Sewell or a Rashawn Slater to give Sam Darnold a chance? What do you expect the Panthers to do? Well, I think it's going to be really interesting if the first part of what you said comes true. Now we know quarterbacks are going one through three. And I think when you include Lance and Fields, so the top five quarterbacks, I feel confident that they are, they're going in the top nine, right? Cause the Broncos mm-hmm. can even take one. If Lance or Fields falls to the Panthers, they have to take one of them. I don't know if they will, but in my opinion, they have to take one of them, assuming they can move Bridgewater and then you're going to go in. Sam's going to be the starter, but a lot, I don't agree that Fields and Lance need to sit necessarily. I, you like it for a couple games, but that you feel good about that situation where they can come in and, and work at their own pace until they're ready behind Darnold. And you financially, that still makes sense. You're not paying one of these guys or both of these guys crazy money. So I, I don't think a quarterback will fall into their lap. I think it's really interesting. I think Atlanta will auction off that pick and somebody will take a quarterback at four. And then you got one guy that could fall and who's stopping another team from coming up or, and they know that situation exists for Carolina. Maybe the lions surprise us all and, and sit a guy behind Jared Goff. Uh, there's a lot of different scenarios where you, you're right, Marcus, you have to really start exploring other options at eight. And I'm with you all the way. When you write down their team needs, now that they traded for Darnold, there is a glaring spot at left tackle for them to capitalize Mm-hmm. And if Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater are there, it's just a no-brainer selection. You have your left tackle. You love Taylor Mountain on the right side. You start to feel good about your offense with Joe Brady, with whoever you do have under center. It will be Darnold, it sounds like. A lot of weapons at receiver, a great running back. I think you start to actually feel like you have a foundation in place for the team. So, Connor, let's hit a couple of just general draft things before we get you out of here. Um, you, you talk about this process of evaluating, you know, close to upwards of 200 players. And I know you're going to keep going and going over the weeks ahead. Is there a player who's uh, really changed your opinion? And let's go of the last couple of weeks of a guy that you've studied, whether good or bad, whether high profile or not, that you've all of a sudden attached yourself to or deattached yourself from. I know this is a process and it's probably still ongoing, but I'm curious if someone has really jumped off the page uh, recently for you. It's a great question. And I would start with both edge rushers from Tulane. And I know that'll shock people. They'll sit there and go Tulane. And, <laughs> and I think both these guys should be top 100 picks. It's Patrick Johnson and Cam Sample, uh, two mm-hmm. totally different players. Obviously, uh, most of the time, Tulane starts up very late in my process. So I just started watching their film for the last week or two weeks. And the testing was was very good, or at least very adequate. When you look at Johnson, the 6973 cone, 35-inch vertical, sub 4640, it's all on tape. Great first step, stand-up uh, pass rusher, outside linebacker for a 3-4, uh, really creative as a pass rusher with the spin move, the speed rush, the, the counter swim inside. 
So I look at the Tulane guys and Cam Sample is the opposite. Just a very sturdy player, understands leverage, understands stopping the run and controlling the point of the attack. Uh, you know, more hand in the dirt kind of player, although he does have a lot of opportunities standing up on film as well. I look at these two Tulane guys and go, God, I've heard 90 million names thrown at edge for the top 50 <laughs> picks in this trap, and it's never either of them. And they're better than most of these guys. I, I mean, really, they really are. It's crazy. I, so I think they're both top 100 players. Uh, really, really excited. Hope they get more love down the stretch. So I think that's something to me uh, that stood out. And then I look at, you know, players that might fall. That's always an interesting conversation. Here's an interesting one that I don't truly know what to do with him right now. And that's Shakur Brown from Michigan State, the slot corner. Mm. Film's great. Sticky in coverage, feisty, loves to scrap, uh, loves to talk the talk after the play. I mean, he's really got it all for a slot. But then he comes in and runs a 4-6-1. And you just sit there and go, man, do you have the speed to play corner at the next level? When I do see guys run by you at times, you're under five foot ten. You're a small corner, but that's why you're in the slot. And he plays outside a little, too, for Michigan State. That's a guy that you love the film, but th there is a, and Marcus always posts really good stuff with this. There are thresholds in the NFL level mm -hmm. and a lot of corners that run above a four, six, especially small corners, right? They're not making up for it by pressing at the line. They're not making up for it with long arms that can catch up down the field or make a play on the ball in the air. You just wonder if, if they can, you know, be outliers. And, and that's something that quite frankly is a big risk when you stack the board. All right, Connor, I got a question for you because this is the time of year where we start to see one or two guys just absolutely shoot up the draft boards. Uh, I and mean, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about Mel Kuyper and our uh, good friend, Matt Miller. I saw both last week, Kuyper ranked Jamin Davis as his 14th best player in the draft. And then uh, Matt Miller said that he could see Davis going inside the top 15 of the draft. Uh, he's very athletic, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that's a, that would be shocking if he goes that high in this year's draft. Yeah, it's, I agree with you. It's alarming to me. And uh, you know, Marcus, for your sake, those Cowboys better not get a linebacker happy again. And I don't think they will. I'll make that very Please, clear. No, th this, this show will be ridiculous the day after the draft. If we, uh, if we're taking another linebacker inside the top 10, I would be furious. It goes to show you the cycles of the draft process, right? Like for me, it's, I, I watched Jamin Davis about two months ago and, and I look at it and go, Okay, sideline to sideline linebacker. I compared him to Zach Cunningham, who just got a big contract mm -hmm. extension. Um, the speed's there. The explosiveness is there. It's a little wrong coverage. I don't think the instincts were there, but you could see why he could be coached up to be a really good cover player at the next level. So three down linebacker, right? And for me, off ball linebacker, good traits. You know, like I said, not perfect in coverage, but he'll get there. He sits in day two. I have him as the 47th overall player. And then, you, like you said, you turn on the TV and you hear top 20 and you go like, wow, I'm in a different planet than some people. I, yeah. I think for me, I value that position differently. I think that, you know, do I like Micah Parsons? Sure. Do I take him in the top 10? I, I don't think I do. So it's just not a position that carries elite value at the next level. It can be good value. And it's something that you find a lot of pro bowl or starting players in rounds two, three, and four at that position. I mean, look at Fred Warner, you know, it's, it's across the board. You can name a million examples. So I like Jamin Davis. I, I guess I am low on him when you hear that kind of crazy talk and it's not a knock on the player, but it's more a knock on the position and what you're getting and what else is there. It's a great offensive line class. It's a great wide receiver class. I think Micah Parsons is a better off ball linebacker. If you're telling me to take Jamin Davis in the top 15 of this draft, or I can have Jabril Cox on day two, taking Jabril Cox yep. every time. Uh, yeah, I think this is, it's a copycat league in the NFL, right? Like we saw Devin White go inside the top five in 2019, has a huge playoff run. And now I think you're going to see all these teams wanting to, to find their Devin White. And I think Jamin Davis might remind some teams of that. I, I don't agree. But it wouldn't, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if he does go top. Good luck, top. by the way. I'll tell you this. I, I threw a lapper bet on it after after I'd heard this craziness. It was like his odds to be the first linebacker off the board were so laughable that, you know, you throw like 25 bucks on it and it's over a mm -hmm. grand of a payout. So I was like, all right, let's just have some fun. And this happens on draft night. I will laugh and walk off the set. Oh, gosh. Good for you. I'm going to sprint out of here and do the same. Uh, Connor, we'll let you go on this. We can talk. I could. We can talk for hours, but uh, last one. You know what's interesting about the court? We're with the the first five quarterbacks. We're, like we're, we've sort of cut a point here. Where will they go? The Mac Jones team, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, trying to figure out where these guys are. But I know I, I'm really curious out of like the next group of guys and wh where you think they fit. So a Kellen Mond, or 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 just again, it feels a little bit different than previous drafts because usually we're kind of you know 
scouring the earth for those next guys that could be quote unquote diamonds in the rough. I'm curious, do you have a guy outside of that group that you like quite a bit and where do you think they could ultimately land? Yeah, it's interesting when you get into the, you know, other half of this quarterback class, because there's no guys in round one. I really even question besides Kyle Trask, are there any that should go on day two? And I guess you could talk me into Kellen Mond with the traits. If you take him in round three and you want to see you can get him to be a more consistent player. I understand that process. So, I, you know, Davis Mills is someone that yeah, I, I like for Tennessee go. because I think he fits that offense really well and they need a backup quarterback. They just don't have one right now. And people laugh at that to draft a backup quarterback. But I mean, Ryan Tannehill has a serious injury history where you never know. So I think Davis Mills is somebody that, you know, for Tennessee makes a little bit of sense uh, getting really deep in the weeds here. You know, I, I want to see what version of Jamie Newman shows up to the NFL. And we were yeah. kind of robbed of his that transfer to Georgia and the tools were always there, but it wasn't always perfect. And, you know, he goes to the senior bowl and he, he's a big bodied guy with a big arm, a tough goal line runner. Uh, not going to make you miss, but can run through you, can push the ball down the field. So if I'm looking at the quarterbacks and I'm drafting, stashing one in, in round five or six, it, Jamie Newman's probably the one that at least intrigues me. Um, that's it's fascinating. You're right about being deprived because we're really excited to see what he was capable of. And uh, toolsy, if you're into that, certainly uh, plenty there to like. Uh, Connor, again, man, I know you're busy. We really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, you're doing weekly shows. You've got the live show. Tell, tell us, uh, tell everybody really where they can find you here, you know, to and through the draft. Yeah, everything at Bleacher Report right now. On Thursdays, we do draft crash course. It's Adam Lefko and I. Uh, we usually have a guest on or something along the lines of that and different theme each week. Just, you know, it's a crash course on the draft. It really is. If you want to catch up on the draft in eight weeks, you'll, you'll know everything hopefully by the end of it. So, it's been a lot of fun. We go live at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Thursdays, but you can watch the show back anytime on Bleacher Reports YouTube. Uh, listen to it as a podcast on the Left Go Show. So it's a lot of fun. Looking forward to, you know, really getting this thing off the ground. Now we're at the time where it's like everyone's having the same arguments. That's why I like to come on and talk to you guys about different players and, and things along the lines of that. It's always a good time. Awesome. Well, Connor, we'll check it out, man. Again, I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. Always love to talk to Connor Rogers. Uh, great, great draft resource. Great Jets resource. I need both right now, and they are intertwined together. So love talking to him. Uh, but now, Marcus, it is time for the future. And this is a loaded version of the future. We've got the Masters. I've got, I'm licking my wounds on basketball, which we could get into briefly. But first and foremost, did you partake in any of the college basketball over the weekend? I did. And actually, uh, listen, I'm going to brag a little bit of the show. I did very, very well. I picked Baylor in all my brackets to end up winning. Wow. And on ESPN, that finished, I finished as the 16th best bracket in the nation. So no uh, way. Overall, I did. I, I, I did. Yeah, I had, a, I had a lot of luck. Uh, I watched absolutely zero college basketball all year long. So it just shows you how much of a crapshoot it really is. Okay, hold on. So 16th out of how many? Was it like 17 million? Dude, that's like that. Yeah. That's Again, pure luck. I, I, I didn't watch a, a single uh, second of college basketball during the regular season. So, uh, again, I can't really take any credit for it. Okay. Well, that's the opposite. I had a Gonzaga future bet. I bet Gonzaga. I didn't hedge. I bet a minus four and a half. Mm. And with about three and a half minutes, I wanted to just hit the eject out of uh, all of that. Um, yeah. They were shook. I mean, just shook like it was, the, it was the power difference and strength of the yes. rebounding is what you noticed right away like if, if i could have just seen the first minute of the game i would have put everything on uh not like not gonna yeah. right on baylor because you could just the physicality was so glaring in that game and they had that deer in the headlights look where they're juggling yes. the ball they're turning it over like you could just tell you know and then there were flashes of teasing maybe they'll get back in but baylor uh just kept hitting shot yeah. after shot after shot so um kudos to them but kudos yeah. to you 16th again Man. i'm not i i can't take any credit for it no it's you can loss. i'm gonna take credit for you uh it's still wild so yeah. all right well well congrats there i'm gonna follow your bracket regardless of how little you follow it uh moving forward all right so we've got uh we were off for ufc last mm -hmm. week we've got an interesting ufc card with kevin holland filling in which is kind of fun considering how um boy rough of an outing he had last time out but uh marcus for me this is masters this oh, is yeah. the masters week 
I wrote a column up on the game night right now with my picks. Do you have anybody that you are eyeing so far when it comes to Masters value? Yeah, so I've, I've been looking at the Masters odds all week long, and there's actually a lot of different ways that you can bet this. My favorite probably is just to do like the top 10 or top yeah. 20. You can also bet on guys just to make or miss the cut, and that's a lot of fun if you just want to hang around on Thursday and Friday and you want something to bet on. But in terms of just winning, I don't love the guy, but Patrick Reed is such a good golfer. Yeah. And I think his odds are very, very intriguing. I believe he's like, oh, I don't even remember. I think he, he's very, very low down there. Uh, maybe 30 to one. Yeah, uh, I think that that's one's exactly where it is. Me. Yeah, I, I think that one's intriguing. And then my guy, Brooks Kepka. I, I just can't stop betting him. I know he's not 100% healthy, uh, but I love Brooks. So I'll probably sprinkle a couple dollars on that. I I wrote about him. It's interesting too, because he was now in that 26 to 30 to one range. The odds are going to move quite a bit uh, oh, yeah. down to 28 to one, um, you know, had surgery less than a month ago. So I'm really yeah. interested to see what version you get. Uh, meatheaded Brooks giving it a go though is fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm really interested, you know, Jordan Spieth being the second or third overall choice at about 11, 11 and a half to one which is mm -hmm. wild. If you watched him this weekend at the, uh, the Texas tournament, he was great. And frankly, yeah. he's been really good all year. I've picked him, I think once or twice uh, on the pod to win and come up short because he's fallen apart. Did not do that. John Rahm just had a baby uh, a couple of days ago and is going to play in this thing. So the chocolate. I, I want to ask you something. What about yeah. one of my favorites that I've had right now is Jordan Spieth minus 188 to finish in the top 20. How do you feel about that? I, I think it's great. I think he is. It, we, I wish I had Spieth odds from like four months ago, frankly, yeah. for this tournament, yeah. but that guy dominates the course and my master's betting advice, because my guy, uh, Kyle Morikawa, who I'm going to go with, who mm -hmm. I've gone with before he's in that 33 to one range. Um, great iron play speeds iron play through all of his nonsense he's searching for more distance the putter his goofiness he's he's mm -hmm. great at this course i know he's blown up but what he's got a win and two runner-ups so i i think speed making the top 20 i don't want to say lock because um things go sideways early in augusta and yeah. i feel like guys never recover yeah. he plays this course great like he yep. and he has a swagger man i saw the post game with him he looked like he's confident he, yeah, he, yeah. he's got it back because he was broken before couple other guys. I have Tony Finau at six to one to make the top five guy okay. can't win, but the guy can score and he competes until he wins. Uh, it's hard to bet him. Um, and, and Justin Thomas at 12 to one, I don't love betting chalk in this event because yeah. it's just not as much fun. It's like the way I approach the Kentucky Derby, but Justin Thomas can win any course he takes on a few bombers. Matthew Wolf, the goofy swing. Matthew go. Wolf has not played great hundred to one. Justin Rose, uh, has been injured this year. It has it has mm -hmm. had back spasms. Hundred to one on Justin Rose to me is about as good as value as you'll ever get on him. So well, I, what about uh, Victor yeah. Hovland? At I think he is like five to one to finish in the top ten. My my dad was taught. My that's who. If you're into my my father's Masters picks, that's how he is in as well. And just one other thing you mentioned. It's not like I, I'm a traditional golfer where I'm like betting to win. But there are so many different awesome golf oh, bets. Yeah. If you are into like wagering on this thing, like you can, you know, head to head matchups. I have a friend that's really into that and is doing yeah. well on that. It is amazing that just the different bets that that can happen here. I'm also in an auction for players, which I love. Although there you go, it gets expensive. So you're in the weeds now. I no, am I think in the weeds. Yeah, golf has become you know outside of football, basketball, and UFC. I think one of my favorite sports to bet because there's so many different ways to do it. I just had a, a big Bryce bet from a couple of weeks ago to finish inside the top twenty. That's Absolutely. those are a lot of fun because you don't you don't stress out hole to hole as much, right? You're really watching the entire day, and I think that's what makes it so enjoyable. That is too. If you know, the winning stuff is tough. You're, you're in it. Yeah. And then ultimately most likely that last day, it's, it's not going to, it's going to come undone, but if you're doing top five, top 10, top 20 with all the movement around, it can be really fun yeah. to track. All right. So before we tie a bow on this thing, anything else jump out to you golf or otherwise? Uh, I, I saw Bryson DeChambeau's practice swings as he's getting ready for the masters <laughs> and it hurt my back. So that's, I mean, he looks fired up to go. So I've just, I'm monitoring his odds. I believe he's like 11 to one uh, to win. So <laughs> he fell just, apart. I, I thought that was crazy. Oh, that speed drill he does where he <laughs> just like, ridiculous. and I love VJ Singh just like looking at him, like 
this is nuts. VJ has probably hit more golf balls than any human ever on the tour and just standing next to him looking at like this dude, like he's crazy. Bryson fell apart, you know, in November and he had moments and he had his ball plug. Like he had a lot of really weird things go on. He may or may not have had COVID. Like it was, it was a weird week, but like if he's hitting the ball straight, he can overpower that course. Um, I, I just like watching him. I love him or oh, hate him. I so just like, fun. I love his meat-headed approach to a game that is so much finesse. So yeah, we we needed a golfer like Bryson to come we around, do. right? Just a spectacle, and that's exactly what he is. He is a he's like a WWE wrestler, and it yes. is exactly what golf needs. So again, uh, loaders mat, loaded Masters week. We've got content up on the website. Uh, we could talk this for hours as well, but. Instead, uh, we will wrap things up. We appreciate Connor uh, for coming on again to talk some Jets and draft. We've got more draft stuff to come. Uh, Marcus, yeah, we talked about it with Connor, but like, what? Are, what? How much film are you watching here? Uh, uh, like, uh, you, you're just locked in the bunker, and it's draft season. Yeah, I've got like five or six hours a day that I'm cutting out just for watching videos and cutting up prospects, and then. Uh, lots of content on uh, the game day NFL. I got my top awesome. five boomer bus prospects that are coming out. Uh, your guy, Zach Wilson, might be on that list. So check it out. Uh, we've got scouting reports. We've got NBA stuff coming up. So uh, busy, busy time of the year. Awesome. Cannot wait. Again, moving forward, lots and lots of draft stuff coming up, free agency, everything else. This is going to be a draft-heavy pod moving forward, and I know you won't complain about that, and neither, neither will I. Uh, so a reminder, guys, um, you know, share the pod. We, we're really having a lot of fun doing this. We're trying to grow this thing. We appreciate it both through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Go check out thegameday.com. See what prices our affiliates have, and we will talk to you guys next week.